Boys, how we doing? What's going on, Greg? What's up, Tristan? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Tristan, I feel like off the first sentence I hear you speak, I can guess how long ago you woke up. I'm going to say 14 minutes ago. I I was I, I got up around like 11, so I'm okay. But I was up all night doing the Xavier Booker and my top 25 freshman class rankings. So, ooh, that's uh, fun. Can you uh, can you share any of that here, or you don't want to spoil it? No, yeah, I could share it. Uh, Arkansas number one for like impact classes. I, I didn't want to like just go off of everyone else's rankings of how they view the players and classes, just more like which groups are most likely to make an impact. Like Notre Dame probably is going to play all their freshman bigs and J.J. Starlin, so they're going to rank higher than a team that probably won't play much of them because they have a whole bunch of transfers. So that's sort of how I did it. Got you. That's fun. Fun little exercise. I, uh, I got to write the Field of 68 daily for tomorrow, and I'm already dreading this. Uh, I, it's by far my least favorite thing I have to do every week. I don't know how you write just nonstop every single day. Respect to both of you. Uh, like I, there's nothing to talk about. I feel like, like there's going to be some commitments, but like I, even that is just like aggregating tweets that are like this dude committed. Like <laughs> it drives yeah. me nuts. It, maybe in the season I'll feel different, but in July I hate writing this newsletter. Oh no, I hate it right now. Do it in July too. So you're not the only one. I'm just used to finding ways to make content. You can talk about Omaha uh, Blue going to Iowa State. He's going to commit there tonight. Is he really committing to Iowa State? It, it it's. I think it's a situation where he'll commit to Iowa State, but he could still very well end up in the G League. Damn. I was not expecting Iowa State at all. That's interesting. They were they were literally his first team that he connected with, and it was one of those things where they always kept in touch where other teams sort of backed off once the G League rumors came in. So credit to the coaching staff for always sticking with them, and it will pay off. But like I said, I think in right now it's 50-50 on if he'll play pro or not, but it will definitely be Iowa State if he, if he does play college. Got you. Okay. Well, that's good to know as I'm about to start – sketching out this newsletter all afternoon. Uh, first of all, welcome everybody in. Uh, appreciate everybody jumping through. This is the Multiplicity Morning Show. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we do these here on Spotify Live. Tuesday is college basketball day, and uh, we got our, our dream team back together again. Connor Hope is here. Brian Roth is here. Tristan Freeman is here. I believe Riley Davis is going to jump in later in the room. We're going to do teams that we are lower on than the national consensus today. We did teams we're higher on last week. That was a fun exercise. So now we're doing teams we hate. But first, uh, we have Michael Lofton in here for a drive-by, apparently. What's up, ML? Um, and Tristan will back me up on this. First of all, good morning. Uh, excellent folks on here. Uh, I will say there's two things now that Brian's up here with us. I totally miss Brian's during the pandemic, his March Madness PlayStation video game recaps. Those were fantastic during the uh, pandemic. I do want to make sure I reference that. Uh, I'm glad you player. enjoyed them. I'm glad yeah. you enjoyed them. They're hilarious content, uh, especially during a season of that ruined my uh, Dayton Flyers change. But I'm here to drive by about the Dayton Flyers because I'm confused about how Tumani Kamara and 
Deron Holmes could be the 25th best front court in America. Really sounds lazy reporting. Uh, feels like a Doster move. I just wanted to drive by and say that. And Tristan, I absolutely believe you will back me up on this. There's no way they're the 25th best front court. So without throwing anyone who writes me paychecks under the bus, you're not far off. <laughs> uh, I So how these lists work, a little behind the scenes, I assume – I hope most of the people listening to this have seen some of the Field of 68 countdowns that we've been doing. Basically, I'm trying to do one a week of those leading up to the season. And uh, we did like two months of like positional stuff, like who's the best backcourt, who's the best frontcourt. Then we got into duos. Um, and I think we're, we're the next month or so is going to be some more like fun ones. Like this week, we're doing best 25 players in the last decade. So I think closer to the season, we'll probably do like conference by conference stuff and try to have some more fun with it. But anyways, follow Field of 68 on social for all of that. Um, it's been a good think piece. Anyway, last week we did front court duos and ML is right. Dayton's front court is good. How these work is I put together an initial draft and then we have a task force, hashtag task force of roughly 20 people uh, who are all like the the four of us up here, Connor, Brian, Tristan, myself, uh, either independent college basketball reporters or writers or employed full-time basketball people. And it's a democracy, ML. I'll throw my order out, but then I get torn to shreds privately. And then we try to come up with a consensus based on everybody's feedback of who should be higher or lower. We make adjustments, we tweet it out, and then everybody hates the list because no one got their exact list to be the order of 25. So I believe in my submission last week, I think I had Dayton 20th originally. So they would have been in that second group of five because we released them five names at a time. That felt a little more appropriate to me off top. Uh, and then people who shall not be named were like, we can't put Dayton that high. If you're going to have them on the list, they're last. So I hope that justifies it for you. I'm not super happy with it, but it is a democracy, my friend. I understand. We have to make sure we're taking care of checks. Um, checks are important. Getting paid is important. Uh, it'll be fantastic of where, you know, Rob is going to have to be okay with Dayton being a top four, uh, one of the top 16 teams uh, listed in February and then called again in March. And when Duran Holmes actually plays more NBA minutes than Drew Timmy ever will. So, wow. Well, you got to pick your battles here. I will say uh, one of my teams just left, left off that I nominated for the best front court duos was actually Butler. I had Manny Bates and, uh, however, the, the Seamus Lukosius, but then people were like, he's not a four. I think he's going to play some four for y'all this year, though. It's that motto. We'll, we'll be back. You guys have a good one. This is fantastic. Looking forward to hearing who you're going to sell. I'm pretty sure one of them will start with an M and – the second name will be with an S, but I'll let you guys. Uh, wow. That. Thanks for letting me. Wow. Out. Of course. Thank you, Michael. Uh, also, I want to just quickly reply to Josh in the comments. Josh, I love you too, man. Uh, great to see you in here. You're right. It is five straight sweet 16s, but I'm prone to exaggerate, especially when I'm on a roll dissing Carter Elliott and Michigan State. So uh, nobody usually calls me on that. Credit to you for holding me accountable. Appreciate that. Carter will never hold me accountable. He gets too blinded by the fact that I'm just verbally owning him anytime we get in a Michigan versus Michigan State thing. So appreciate you. Let's keep it real. All right, boys. Last week we did this, and this took a lot longer than I thought. We were going to try to do both of these and then, like, 
I think we ended up spending like 10, 15 minutes per team's pick and everybody giving their thoughts. So let's just get into it. Teams that we're selling compared to national consensus. Uh, we'll each go around the horn and we'll give one. And then if we run out of time, maybe we can do some more at the end. Um, or if we have time, we can do more at the end. Riley's going to join, I think, about halfway through the show. So just know he's coming in at some point. But uh, who wants to go first? Anybody want to jump in? And I, I think we're all eager to hate today. I'll jump first. Take it away. I I am going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say the entire Pac-12. Um, because, you know, I, I, I've seen sometimes up to four, but usually three teams in and out of people's top 25. I've seen UCLA as high as people's top 10. Um, A, I don't trust any team that relies on freshman bigs, which all but Arizona is doing. Um, and B, I just don't like any of these rosters. And someone mentioned to me the other day that, uh, Stanford is closer to to USC than people think, which isn't a good look for Stanford as much as it is a bad look for USC. Um, look, these teams aren't deep. Uh, UCLA, I have just outside or just right at 15, I believe in my top 25. I don't have a single other Pac-12 team even sniffing my top 25. Um, I don't like the guard unit for for Arizona. Um, I understand that they're they're bringing in um, some some solid players, uh, but you know if if Kirk Creesa is still your starting point and you're relying on him to do anything of substance towards the end of the year, I'm just not buying it. Um, I, I don't like this UCLA roster as much as I think I should. Uh, and then as far as Oregon goes, like, I just don't see the love for Oregon. I, I get that Will Richardson has been around for a long time and they're bringing in some solid, some solid guys, both through the transfer portal, as well as uh, Kel Elware um, out of, you know, the class of 2022. But until I see these teams play together. I'm just not buying Pac-12 at all as a, as a conference. Um, Colorado's going to be down. Uh, Stanford, just don't trust Stanford. I, I'm, this, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of, of pointing out to Brian consistently that Jared Haas always or usually outperforms expectations, but that's because expectations are generally low for, for Stanford. I'm never going to trust Bobby Hurley again. Um, and then as far as Utah, Washington and Washington state, they're okay. Pretty uninspiring rosters, I think. Um, so, so as, as a conference, I'm out on the PAC 12. All right. Anybody want to take first pass at, uh, the, the across the board PAC 12 hate? I'm, I'm with you, Connor, for the most part. I think UCLA might be the exception in terms of, I think UCLA is probably, properly rated if you're looking at them as a top 15 top 20 team i think arizona will be fine i think oregon will be fine but fine is often not where they're being ranked preseason wise right so like i think those three i'm comfortable with at a certain level probably slightly below uh behind where all of them are currently but the rest of that conference yeah might might (laughs) might be a crapshoot with a heavy emphasis on the crap part Tristan? Yeah, I, I would just want to say, Carl, you don't have to say somebody said it. I was the one that talked about Stanford being closer <laughs> to the top of the Pac-12. 
And I, I, Harrison Ingram, the, the addition of Davidson sharpshooter Michael Jones, because Stanford couldn't hit a shot if it, if it, if their lives depended on it last year. I think they're going to be a, a dark horse tournament team. I like their roster. And, and UCLA, and UCLA's fine. They lost their best player, Johnny Juzang, but they still bring back Hawkes, Tiger Campbell's going to be one of the best point guards in the country. Amari Bailey's going to be fantastic. I, I think UCLA is a top 10 team. And, and that, and for some reason, people are sleeping on Tubelas of Arizona. I think he's going to be someone that's going to put up huge numbers next year. Crease is going to do – he's going to be himself, but I think as long as the guards around him can be more efficient, I'm not, I, I'm not going to be down on Arizona either. I think the Pac-12 is going to be properly rated overall because, you know, we, there's, there's not really any Big Ten teams to put in the top 25 outside of maybe two. So someone got to be in the top 25, and no one's going to put the mid-majors in there. So why not have two or three Pac-12 teams in there right now? And, and look, I'm not saying that the Pac-12 is not going to have four tournament teams. I think it probably gets four in. Um, and I agree with Brian. I, I mean, I have UCLA at 15. I, I, I just think that any sort of top 10 love is kind of out there, especially. And it's not just Juzang that's gone. It's their entire kind of five rotation that needs to be replaced. And I understand they bring in Adam Bona, who's who's a five-star uh, center. But again, I don't trust freshman bigs. It's just a thing of mine. I don't trust freshman bigs. With, when it comes to Stanford, I think the loss of Jaden Dallaire is going to weigh heavy on them. He's a very athletic forward that they have to replace. I get Harrison Ingram is going to be a sophomore, and you can expect that sophomore jump, and he probably – uh, replaces Delaire pretty well, although replacing Delaire with with uh, Ingram, I mean, he'd have to double his production um, to play two positions. But um, look, they, the guard play for Stanford is what what uh, what worries me. As for Arizona, I don't disagree with you. I think Tabellis is going to put up a ton of numbers in the same way I think Zach Eady is going to put up a ton of numbers, and that's because he's going to have to. Um, so I'm just, I'm just out on, on, on Arizona as well as Oregon as top 25 teams. I think they're both tournament teams, but I also think Purdue's a tournament team and I don't have them in the top 25. Greg, I'm sorry that, uh, the Big Ten somehow got slammed uh, in the big Pac-12 this segment. So in, in the context of, uh, like comparing them to Purdue, because I'm with you, I think like Zach Eady. I, I said it like six months ago. I think Zach Eady could put up numbers to win National Player of the Year this year. I really do. Not going to happen if Purdue stinks, which might happen. But, like, if he is capable of staying on the floor for 30 minutes a game, there's no stopping that man from scoring, like, 28 and 12 rebounds. Like, he, he's is that good. Is Matt uh, Painter going to play him enough, though? Maybe not. But I do – I think that Eady has more conditioning-wise than people make it out that he does. Um, just watching him feels different to me than like the uh, Isaac Haas era or even Matt Harms. Like I, I think he's capable of playing 28 to 30 minutes a game. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm excited to watch him try. But I think it, it, back to the Arizona comparison, I am not a Kirk Reese guy. I've openly not been a Kirk Reese guy. Kirk Reese DM'd me before the tournament last year because I was dissing him on one of the Field of 68 After Dark shows and was like, wait and see. And, like, I had to do everything in me to not hit him with a, well, I saw after they got bounced. 
But him and Courtney Ramey and Pal Larson is way more than Purdue has. Like I, I, and I'm not a Courtney Ramey guy either. I've dissed the Texas backcourt for four years. I think like Ramey is not like he's kind of an empty numbers guy to me, and their backcourts are always toxic, and everybody hates each other, and it's messy. Like I don't think him and Kirk Reese are really gonna work. But I do like Pell Larson. I love what he was doing in the FIBA event. Like, I think those three dudes would all be Purdue's second best player. And in, for that reason, I think Arizona is going to win the Pac-12 pretty easily. Um, US, or UCLA is in there. Like, I think they're good as well. I'm not. I'm weirdly not as down on the whole conference as I have been the last three years. Like, I've hated the Pac-12, but this year I kind of like UCLA. I kind of like Arizona. We haven't really mentioned USC, and they're going to be messy, and they're going to miss one of the Mobleys. But I love Drew Peterson. I got to mention him anytime we talk Pac-12, and he's back. So I don't know. Like I, I think my conference is going to stink next year. I think the Big Ten is going to be horrible. I think the Pac-12 is in a pretty rosy position, at least at the top, compared to a lot of the Big Ten teams. Any rebuttal to, to that, Connor? Are, are are we assuming that David Jenkins isn't going to take 10 shots, 12 shots, 15 shots per game? Because if that happens, then Zach Eady's not getting the number of, of attempts that you think I he is. I am assuming that, but I am, I think, in maybe not the minority. I don't, I'm down on David Jenkins. I'll say that. Oh, everyone's down on David Jenkins. But he's going to have the, his ball in the ball in his hands a ton, and we've seen what he did at you know his final year at South Dakota State, which was pretty successful. But then his first year at UNLV playing, um, which which is where it kind of all went downhill. Yeah, that's true. I just I think we've seen Matt Painter with a top five pick in the backcourt still insist on force feeding the post, and that was when he had two post players, like. He's probably going to still insist on feeding the post now that he has a bunch of bad players around them and only one post option. And I think he's going to benefit from that. But this isn't Purdue slander hour, I don't think. They're catching a lot of strays right now, (laughs) rightfully so. Uh, All right, as far as the Pac-12 goes, let's wrap it up with this. How many teams do they get in the tournament and who wins the conference? Round the horn. Brian, go first. I'll say four make the tournament, the, the three I mentioned previously, Arizona, UCLA, uh, and Oregon. And then uh, there will be a fourth team somewhere. I don't know who it will be. USC is the, I, I think, favorite to be that right now, but I don't have a ton of confidence in that. And I, I think UCLA wins the conference fairly easily. I'm going to go with four, uh, UCLA, Arizona, Stanford and USC, not Tristan? Oregon. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I'm not I'm I'm down on them. But uh the the pick I'm I'm gonna give UCLA right now, but I reserve the right to switch if Keelan Boswell is the starting point guard for for Arizona instead of Kirk Reese. Are you here to stand for reclassifying point guards? No, I'm standing for efficient point guards that don't go 2-12 and cost their teams multiple conference games. That would make them lose the regular season title. That's who I'm standing. You are extremely familiar with guards like that, except until you said playing for a title. I I think that's where your expertise wanes a little bit, Tristan. Uh, Connor, what's your answer to that question? I'm going to go four. I'm going to go UCLA, Arizona, Oregon, and uh, 
the team led by Drew Peterson. <laughs> um, and for winner, I'm going to go with the team that has the best point guard in Tiger Campbell and the best player in Jaime Jaquez and go with UCLA pretty easily. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I can I can see UCLA being really good, especially if the two freshmen are, you know, instant impact guys, which I think at least one of them will be. Um, I'm going to go five. I think the, the big four that everybody mentioned being Oregon, USC, UCLA, Arizona all make it comfortably. And then I think a fifth team surprises. I don't know who it is. It could be Stanford. It could be Arizona State. But I think somebody from the middle jumps up a little bit. Did you just uh, say Bobby Hurley might make the tournament? You know what I did, Tristan? Because I think – You proud of that? I, I'm not proud of that. I'm not here to defend any Hurley ever. Uh, but I do think, like, in order to keep your reputation as a Hurley, you have to do something promising once every five years. So and it's about time. So that starting lineup filled with Nevada guys who couldn't play defense or do anything cohesive to save their lives, that's going to be the team that makes tournament. Frankie Collins, the starting point guard, lead them. You're comfortable with that? Well, I am, I'm going a little homery here, but I actually am still really high on Frankie Collins. I think he's going to be a very good player. At Arizona I was State. high on him until he picked Bobby Hurley as his head coach. That was a very bad IQ move. Yeah, you know what's gonna happen. Last year, it was just for the NCAA tournament. I'm I'm so out on Frankie Collins. You you know what's gonna happen is Arizona State's gonna go like ten and one in the non-conference, and then like eke out a nine or a I guess an eleven and nine record in conference, and and hit that you know twenty one win mark and sneak in as a first four team like they've done every time they've made the tournament. Yeah, you're probably right. For uh, for the Michigan, Michigan State people in here listening, I do think, like, I was upset Frankie left Michigan. Uh, I get why they they processed him. And make no mistake, like, they processed him. This this was not like a mutual parting of ways. This was season review meetings came in, and Juwan said, yeah, you're, you're going to go. We're going to go get a point guard from Princeton. Uh, and that's because Hunter Dickinson came back, and Frankie Collins doesn't make sense when you're trying to go all in with Hunter Dickinson. We saw it a bunch of guys who couldn't shoot around Hunter last year. You have to be able to shoot. And if there's one thing Michigan's going to do this year, it's going to have four shooters around Hunter Dickinson at all times. Uh, Frankie, I still think like he could end up being what a good version of AJ Hogard looks like for Michigan state. I compared him to Darius Morris, but with less domestic assaults, I still think that's possible. I like him. I don't know. It might take three years, but I think as an upperclassman at Arizona State, if the team is built around his playmaking, they could be pretty good. Um, Anyways, this is way too much Pac-12 talk for my liking. What the hell are we doing right now? Tristan, I dissed you pretty harshly a few minutes ago, and I feel bad about it. Do you want to go next? Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, there's a team that I would love to slander in return from the Big Ten, but I'm going to let others handle that. I'm going to go with Texas. I, I I just it's not even just the, the style of play that's the concern, but your your two starting guards shot under forty percent last year, Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter. And, and look, I think Hunter is a really good guard. Give him a lot of credit. But I think people for some reason are acting like he was the catalyst for the Cyclones winning twenty more games than they did the year prior going to sweet team. It was Isaiah Brockington that was the star of that team. And I'm not sure if Texas has a guard like him that can be that efficient scoring-wise. And even outside of that, the front court's a huge issue. 
Like, Dylan Disu was hurt last year, but when he did try to play, he just did nothing for them. Christian Bishop, I think, is a little a little overrated. Like, he's a solid defender, but he doesn't give you much offensively. Like, you know, when, you're, when your best player scoring-wise is uh, Timmy Allen, is that really a good thing? Like, maybe Dylan Mitchell or Terry Morris can be the guys that come that lead them in scoring and give them, you know, 15 to 17 points per game scoring. But I, I'm I'm a little down on Chris Beard overall because I, I think he's changed his own philosophy from what worked at Texas Tech. I think instead of getting the three-star guys and developing them into stars or sort of getting pieces that fit, he's trying to be, you know, like, like Calipari and just getting all these stars and trying to make it work. And it, it was a failure, quite frankly, last year. And then even this year, from a talent perspective, they have top 10 talent up and down the roster based on what they have. And I don't think anyone believes they're a top 10 team. So I, I kind of want to see what he does this year with his own adjustments, but I don't know if they're, if they're going to actually compete for a big 12 title. I think they're clearly behind Baylor and Kansas. And I wouldn't be surprised if Texas Tech or TCU is also ahead of them when it's all said and done to standings. Who had Texas as a team they liked last week? Was it you, Connor? Or was it Brian? Wasn't it somebody in here? I think it was Riley. But I don't want to put words in Riley's mouth. No, I'm kind of I'm kind of out on Texas. Yeah. Was it you, Greg? It wasn't me. I I made the comment that uh it would sound like a a war zone with Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr clanking shots off the back iron. Um, you know what? I think you're thinking Tennessee, Greg, because Riley uh, was high on Tennessee I, and I was low on Tennessee. Yeah, the, and we talked a lot about Tennessee. I just I remember Texas popping up somewhere last week and me saying like, well, Chris Beard was sober for a full season, but he might not be anymore, so I'm back, but it, it definitely wasn't me. I don't know. Some somebody had it and I forget. Here's the thing with with Texas though and with Chris Beard in particular is that he had the, those great first couple seasons at Texas Tech, but since that championship game appearance, he has be, beaten up on the bad teams that they have played, both at Texas Tech and Texas, and he has had some softer non-conference schedules in there, which allows for that, and then done average to below average in Big 12 play relative to to expectations. He has not done anything over and above what we thought his teams would do the last three seasons since that, that national championship game appearance. I don't know if it's something where people have adjusted to his system and he hasn't made a counter adjustments yet, but the offense is, is stuck in the mud all the time. And the defense is fine, but, and, and again, this year, they don't have the shooting or the, the shot creation to really make up for that. So I, like, I think Texas will be another one of those scenes that's fine. That's in the tournament and their defense will have them be, solid enough, but there is a very real ceiling until Marcus Carr shows he can be the guy that we all think he or thought he can be, depending on undertaking Marcus Carr, and Beard makes makes some adjustments. Yeah, I feel like I guess we're all sort of on the same side on Texas then, right? I think we're all just kind of like, ew, but maybe. It's like, I feel like it's like drinking like a Fago flavor. 
pop that you just don't like that much, it's like, eh, I don't know, maybe, sure, if there's nothing else, I don't know. Greg, are you an ICP or something talking about Fago? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, actually, I have no idea what that means. What's an ICP? Insane Clown Posse. That uh, they're from Detroit. Oh, got they're it, like got it, got it, Detroit. got it. Yes. Uh, not because they used to always. That was that was a deep like '90s weird hip hop reference. Uh, yeah, that's that's my bad. Not my not my flavor of music there, Riley. But I still should have <laughs> known it. Uh, you know, as a former white rapper, I feel obligated to know that. Um, but no, I I am not for the record. I just I, back to Texas. Like they're fine, right? Like I'm gonna watch Texas games. I'm gonna think it's ugly basketball. I do love Chris Beard, and at some point, I think he's gonna stumble upon a roster that fits together. But I don't think it's this one. Outside, and, and the thing is, too, with, with Chris Beard is the toughness. Like, outside of those two seasons where he won 27 and, and 31 points, he's like 3-10 and 10 in overtime games, I think, um, and 2-8 and eight since that, that Final Four run. So, you know, Brian and I talked about this when he was in his last year at Texas Tech. Um, and I don't know if we touched on it much when he last year at Texas, but winning close games is not a Chris Beard thing. It used to be. And then it went from them winning close games to losing close games. So I had, I had the stat last year. I don't have it in front of me, but they're now like way sub 500 in games decided by six points or less. So two possessions and in games against like Ken Palm top 40 teams, teams you would consider to be at large teams. They're well below 500 in those categories, both his time at Texas Tech and then last season at Texas too, that top end that we saw during that special season at Texas Tech has not been there really since then. Do you guys think there's anything to like a Texas basketball curse of sorts? Like Shaka fell victim to something? within the structure that is the Texas program? We can call it the Texas sports curse because, I mean, the same same things happen on the football side too. Yeah, you're not wrong. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, I, I as a Michigan fan, like, I, we've seen this for two decades and football just finally got over the hump and made a playoff run. Basketball, like, it took John Beeline to drag that program from the depths. But, like, I don't know. Like, there's something philosophical to me about, like, Texas versus Tech, like Texas Tech is always going to be the hungrier program that is just like going to fight you on the court. And like I associated Chris Beard basketball with that because it was from his Texas Tech days. And then he gets to Texas and you're like, oh, he can bring that. I don't know that he can bring that. And I don't know why, you know, it's weird. I think it's hard to get five-star guards to commit and five-star players who are likely one-and-dones to commit to certain systems and play a certain way. Like, I think not only with Beer, but with Shaka Smart, he, he he tried to bring that same style, but it's hard to do that when most of your guys are only going to be there for one year. And the guys who are there, they, they don't necessarily fit with it. Like, if you go to Texas, you're going to be pressured to bring in the star power. You're going to bring in – the guys who who are going to make the national headlines, but those guys don't always win. Like if you if you're a coach that plays with a specific style, and you have to change or bring in guys who may not fit it perfectly, you can see the results. Like I, I like I said to someone before, like Chris Beard is someone that should be more like Jay Wright when it comes to getting top 100 players that fit what he does 
than trying to be Calipari, who's getting top 10 guys who may not fit what he does. And I think he has to make his own adjustments at Texas if it's going to ultimately work out to the expectations that people have, which is Final Four appearance and potentially national title. And I'm also convinced that coaches who try and go to big programs with defensive mindsets and take these five-star guys and try and make them buy in on defense at what could be the expense of their offensive numbers are never going to succeed. Because we saw it happen at Washington with Mike Hopkins, and I'm not convinced Hopkins is a great coach, but I think the fact that he took that Bayheim-style defense uh, initially to Washington worked in his detriment, especially when he had McDaniels and Stewart there for that one season. Um, we saw it with Shaka Smart. He was he was bringing in all these top big men who theoretically should have improved the defense, but it didn't look like a lot of them bought in to the fact that they were playing defense to the detriment or at least, you know, the a decrease in their offensive efficiency. Um, and, and same thing with Beard. It, it just, I don't know if these top guys are buying in to a coach whose entire system is based on winning on the defensive end first before trying to win on the offensive end. Do you feel that way about Cronin at UCLA? To an extent. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, he, he takes, you know, is, is Hawkes really that guy or Ju Zhang was kind of a cast off from not a cast off from Kentucky, but he went to UCLA, went home from Kentucky, wasn't a huge, you know, huge offensive guy at Kentucky, and and he bought in on the defensive end. Um, but you also have guys, and, and Peyton Watson had to play behind them, so that's not really fair. But you you know, we'll see with Amari Bailey and and the others that he's bringing in. I just don't know if I trust defensive minded coaches at these big programs when they're bringing in these top guys who are looking to make that jump into a top five kind of lottery pick level. And, and Juzang wasn't a lottery pick guy, Tristan, like none of the guys at UCLA last year were lottery guys. Um, so yeah, I, I, I believe the same thing with Cronin. I think he's just going about recruiting a little bit better. You guys, I remembered it was Evan who brought up Texas, and Evan is back in the room now after listening to us all kind of slander Texas. That's okay. I mean, it, we kind of deserve it. I'm not saying we, because I grew up in Austin, and pretty much UT was in my backyard growing up. But realistically, I mean, you guys are pretty much spot on. Tyrese Hunter isn't going to be the, the – he's a game changer, but he's not going to be the, the shift changer uh, for Texas this, this uh, upcoming year. Maybe you make – the Sweet 16, maybe, and that's, you know, a hope, but um, I forgot who said it, but you can bring up a good point. Texas isn't going to be, quote-unquote, back for a while until Chris Beard really dives into recruiting people he wants to really bring in uh, from the uh, right from the jump. I don't really see that happening for a couple of years. Maybe we steal a couple of guys uh, when, now we're in the, uh, when we're in the SEC, but I don't, I don't really have too much intel into, like, a, a high school class, like, like 2024, yeah, I don't really, yes. But realistically, there's a, a lot of names that UT's trying to lure in, locking on for next year's class, but none, none's going to come up till next summer more than likely. So, nice spring. All right. 
Thanks for popping up, Ev. I appreciate you jumping in. Appreciate you listening for sure. Uh, always, it's more fun to do these conversations when there's fans of teams as well. That's like, I feel like all of us do a decent job of trying to stay unbiased in how we report. But well, except for Tristan, of course. Tristan, uh, you know, when you're a Pitt basketball fan, you gotta wave the colors. You know what I mean? Uh, but <laughs> I'm really coming at your throat today, Tristan. I'm sorry. Um, so last thing on Texas for me, uh, I think most people know I'm a pretty big gambling guy, especially when it comes to college basketball. I mean, that's, that's the bread and butter. Uh, I, my favorite betting move over the last five seasons has been live betting Texas basketball games, because I will guarantee you it's gotta be like 80, 90% of games in the first half. One of the two teams goes down 12 to 15 points and the game is always tied with five minutes left to play in the second half, whether they're up or whether they're down, they either claw back into it or they give the lead away. It happens every single time it hits at like a 75% rate. Every time you take the live spread for whatever the team is, that's losing in the first half. So just make a mental note of that. Any betters out there, uh, Carter Elliott and I have been making a killing on that for season after season after season. So um, all right. That was fun. Appreciate the Texas pick, Tristan. That was a good pick. Brian, let's go to you next because we can only delay this Indiana slander for so long. You there, Brian? You're on mute if you are. Brian, don't do this to me. I've been waiting for this for a whole week. Don't don't leave now. We- I'll, I'll I'll fill in for you if you need to be. I can talk a lot about Indiana. No, let's maybe we're just saving the best for last. Maybe Brian's probably caught up in something. Let's throw to Riley Davis, who I didn't even intro today. Riley Davis is out here doing all these big time interviews now. You know, you ask the kid for just a quick little sixty minute Spotify room with his old pal Greg, and you know now he's he's interviewing head coaches. So what can you do? Yeah, we're big time over here, Greg. Uh, just got off the off the phone with Lavelle Moten, actually, from NC Central. Got something in the works with that that hopefully will be announced in the next couple of weeks, but I'll just leave it as a tease for now. But thanks for having me on here. Glad to just at least chime in for a few minutes today. Of course. Give me a team that you are down on compared to consensus, Riley. Uh, has anybody talked about Auburn no. yet? No. So Auburn, I don't know if I'm necessarily like down on them. But I, I probably would have them in my preseason top 25, but I've seen some people, maybe even like some fellow heat check guys, have them closer to the top 10. And I just have I have a couple questions about this roster. Um, especially I don't buy them as like a top 10, top 15 team by any stretch, just because like I don't think you're going to get the near production out of the – nearly the type of production out of the front court as they got out of Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. And they still have those same inefficient guards who Lord knows what you're getting out of them. Lord knows what they'll be doing this year. Um, and it's mainly like I just kind of have some questions as well, even about the fit of Johan Traore and uh, Janai Broom and even what I'm curious to see how Pearl plays them together. Uh, I think like Janai Broom is a legit SEC level defender. That dude is crazy good rim protector. looks like he can – even has a little bit of mobility to guard down a position and isn't going to be completely like helpless if he gets switched on the perimeter. Um, and I think Pearl can definitely use him in that Kessler role of playing drop coverage and letting him swat a bunch of shots. Uh, but offensively, I don't really know 
you know, what his fit will be if he's just going to have him like set screens and roll like he did with Kessler. Cause Broom has a little bit in his bag with his back to the basket, but that's not really how Auburn has played uh, under Pearl. Um, and with Traore, I haven't watched a ton of him, but he also looks like he's more of like a back to the basket, less on the perimeter type of big. I think he's got a little bit with being able to get his mid range, but nowhere near the, the floor stretcher that, Jabari Smith was, even if he has, he, he can do a little bit of transition and looks pretty athletic and bouncy. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I, I don't really know how that front court's going to, going to work. And if it's not those two, I think they're probably relying on Chance Westry, who's another freshman to play the four or Alan Flanagan, maybe. So just some questions with that front court. And I still don't really trust the backcourt. You mean to tell me you're selling the Katie Johnson, Wendell Green backcourt without NBA players in the front court, Riley? Really? <laughs> when you put it that way, it, I'm like, I'm rushing to sell them. I'm putting them up at a garage sale for 250 and a bag of Cheetos. Yeah, I don't know who's buying other than Auburn fans. Connor, what do you think? I, I, I would like to point out that when Riley says – that heat check is high on Auburn. He means Eli, who has Auburn at six. Andy and I have them at 12, and everyone else, including Riley, has them at 15. So don't throw all of us wait, under wait, the bus, wait. Riley. Eli has Auburn at six? At, at, last, at the last tally, which admittedly was the first of June. So I don't know where he has them now. Is Jabari Smith coming back? If Jabari Smith came back, would they even be six? What is what's happening here? Oh, this might have to hit the larger group chat, Connor. I'm sorry. I don't want to throw anybody in here on the bus, but six? That's a ridiculous take. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even looking back at June 1st, I don't really know what I was thinking when I ranked them 15th. I, just, I think I just looked at Johan Traore's high school ranking and was like, yeah, sure. Him and Jedi Vroom, will, they'll, they'll basically be like a poor man's version of Smith and Kessler. But after watching him a little bit more, that's why. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm just just got some questions about this team. Shout out to uh, – we got Cart in the comments calling Riley Tobacco Road Squint. From yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Carter. I guess <laughs> – that man, Carter is just mitten. What's the dude's name? Ham, the the chubby catcher kid. It's a fantastic comparison. I'm not gonna lie. Also, I see Ant Wright just joining. I'm gonna invite you up to speak if you can. No pressure, but uh, we're going around the horn. Teams that we are selling for college hoops. Let's see if Brian's back. Is Brian available again? Yeah. Sorry, we had uh somebody come pick up some furniture a little earlier than they were supposed to. So uh. How to run out real You're quick. good. Everybody is waiting desperately for the Indiana slander portion. Oh, let me, uh, That's what you can do. All right. Uh, yeah. It's just what has this team shown us to make us think they're going to be actually good? I know they're the only team in the Big Ten or one of the only teams in the Big Ten that returns, like, significant pieces from last year. But that was the case last year, too. And this team is just perennially a – Bubble tournament team that Backs. You, like <laughs> I don't understand. Like they were a bubble team last year. If, if they didn't win that Michigan game, they don't make the tournament. We're not talking about them in, in, in the same conversation as we are now. Even if they don't beat Wyoming, which Wyoming turned it over like 25, 30 times in that first four game. I don't think we're talking about Indiana the same way. Maybe it is Maybe it is just because there's a, a void at the top of the big 10. But this this core of the Indiana team has this is now like their third year returning, and they have shown nothing to make us think that oh now is finally the time when they're going to break through. 
Bad. I get, I get Xavier Johnson played well for like three weeks last season, but we've also seen That'd him play. Back. We've also seen him play college basketball for three years, and he's not it. He can't maintain that level of play, or at least has not maintained a level of play backs. throughout his college career. I, I think what happened in the season and Indiana will probably be on the right side of the bubble, but I think they're more likely to find themselves in that conversation again than they are to win the Big Ten. To be determined, that I need a hype man that hypes me up as much as Christian <laughs> just hyped Brian up. He had me going, man. Yeah, you remind me to never cross Tristan Freeman because he will just excitedly prey on your downfall so hard if you wrong this man. It's impressive. Um, all right, we're, we're, we'll go around the horn on Indiana here, but I'm going to take a first shot here because I think I am way higher on Indiana than everybody else is, and maybe I'm the fool. I don't know. I'm not out here standing for Indiana as a top 10 team in the country. Not close, in fact. I think the Big Ten stinks this year. They're the, little, they're the little tent to me until proven further notice. And I think Indiana should be 1B on the list of favorites with Illinois. I think that probably puts them between 15 and 20 in the country, maybe, maybe closer to 25. I don't know. But here's the thing. They did beat Michigan. They did come back. Like, we can say, like, oh, well, if they had just got blown out in that game, whatever. And they were getting smacked. They were getting run off the court. I was making jokes at their expense, sitting courtside halftime with my phone. Like, I thought they stunk. But then the next thing I saw for the next, really, three days was a team that had way more in them than I expected. Like, they ran Michigan off the floor in that second half. And Xavier Johnson was the catalyst. And they were – Trace Jackson Davis was dunking everything. And they had a swagger, and they were fucking good. And then they did the same thing to Illinois the next day. And say what you want about Illinois. Like, Illinois was a very good basketball team last year. Then they played Iowa, and it took a Jordan Bohannon heave from the team that was playing better basketball than any team in the country over the last two months, according to Bartorovic, to beat Indiana. And I know, like, conference tournament runs are not something you should base entire next season predictions on. But that team has more in them just from the guys on the team last year than I think any of us realized. And the projection to next year comes in with the guys they're adding, with Jalen hood Shafino, with Malik Renault. I've made this comparison before on here, but I actually think, and this is going to sound negative contrary to what I'm saying, it, they remind me a ton of Michigan last year. Like, oh, God. Be, well, yeah, that's, that's not a good not a, thing. That's not a top 10 team. <laughs> it, it's not a top 10 team, but it's a team that, like, it does have the talent. Like Michigan last year would be the favorite in the Big Ten this year. Whether it came out, the Big Ten stinks, right? Like it just does. But they have to figure out where do these freshmen fit in because Huchifino is not a good shooter. Malik Renault, like do you play him and Trace together? Hopefully he takes Race Thompson's job the same way Moussa Diabate took Brandon Johnson's job, but that still is a clunky fit. It comes down to how Xavier Johnson plays, and we all know where I stand on that. I have a bet with Tristan that Xavier Johnson could finish first team all Big Ten this year. Maybe I look really, really stupid, but there's no other guard in the Big Ten that averaged 17 and 5 on the percent shooting in a positive way that Xavier Johnson did for the final month and a half of the season. He's capable. He's got to do it for a whole year, though. Two things I'll say is that we've been hearing about Indiana freshmen for years now. That haven't panned Facts. out, and maybe Hood maybe Shafino is different. He's a different player, obviously, and you know I, I don't want to subject past expectations on him as well. But there's no guarantee he works out, and the NFL should know that better than anybody because they've had 
things like this before that haven't worked out. Um, you mentioned the fact that no, they're not really a good shooting team. I don't, I don't know where the shooting comes from. That was a weakness last year and, and could very well be a weakness again this year. Facts. TJD is a great player. Great player. It is also a fact that he, his production dips against the better teams they play and he still doesn't really know how to do anything other than go over his right shoulder with his left hand. Everything Facts. else is, is, is a struggle for him. And so, I have trouble projecting him to go from being a all-conference player to a conference player of the year guy that they're going to need him to be unless he expands his game, which he can do, has the talent to do, the athleticism to do. We just haven't seen him do it. And so I don't know why people think things are just going to suddenly click this offseason. And they might. Uh, again, all of this, they might. Indiana has talent. Wrong. But, <laughs> but nothing, nothing that we've seen has been indicative of that. Aside from the, uh, again, Greg, to your point, conference tournament run that they won on that like week and a half span. I- I'm gonna uh, flip the page a little bit here because I- I'm very big on UNC, and and the counterpoint to UNC this year is that their run through March is just like UCLA's run last year, and that there is no substance behind it. Why isn't that same conversation being had with Indiana's run? Indiana showed even less than UNC did, and played that way for a short period of time, and people are counting on that carrying over. And I, I, I have more apt to believe that was more an aberration and just a really good week, week and a half of play than a baseline for who they are now. Facts. I, th- I think it still is in the conversation. The difference is that like UNC is being evaluated compared to the top teams in the country. It's who's the number one team overall. So I think like, you know, like that's such a higher standard to hold the team to that maybe the run comes into play as an aberration. Indiana's being evaluated next to a team that's going to start Jalen Llewellyn at point guard and Terrence Williams at the four, or a team that's starting three transfers and two freshmen. Like the Big that's Ten's going to suck. Just the context of can they win the Big Ten? Not yeah, the, the Big Ten's going to suck, so it, it may not matter. But I'm also not buying the national top ten, top fifteen. Yeah, that's fair. That we've seen from that. That's that's way, way, way too much. For that's me. fair. I think I mean I agree with that, and I'm here defending Indiana. And where do you stand on the Hoosiers? Um, I will stand on this that um for the first for the first couple of months of the off season. Uh, I did feel like the Big Ten was going to be um, a bit down, um, but then I'm kind of uh, I'm I'm kind of going against that a bit. Uh, I I don't think it's going to be down. I don't think it's going to be up either. Either I think it's just going to be um, a pretty pretty average year for your for how the Big Ten usually is. I think they're going to get still six or seven tournament teams in. I don't think it's going to be like 2018 where there were, what, like four bids, five bids. Um, I don't think it's, it's going to be, be like that. Um, I think Iowa is going to be a lot better than what people think. Um, I think, um, you know, like Minnesota, um, watch out for them. Watch out for Penn State as well with uh, Shrews, Shrewsbury in year two. Um, I like their in- incoming guard. Um, I think his name is like Cam Winters from like Drexel. Um it's in like in like like nobody's talking about you know how good Maryland can be because Maryland had talent too, but you know they had some stuff going on in the in the background, I believe, where that could kind of sink any team. But regardless, so I think the Big Ten is going to be better than what people think is one. 
Two, uh, I am 100% buying into the Indiana hype, and I am because um, I don't think this is like last year's Michigan team because you are returning three of your most important positions, and Michigan didn't do that last year. If Michigan returned Isaiah Livers, Hunter Dickinson, and Mike Smith for another year, then, yeah, I would say that, but that's not the case. Well, wait, 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 though. Wait, though. I mean, Hunter and Eli versus Trace and Yeah, but Eli – Eli was going from option five to option like one or two. Like that's just not the same. I guess that's fair. You know what I mean? Because like you know, like was you know was Eli a higher option than Mike Smith, Franz, Hunter, Isaiah? Like he was never higher than the fourth option. And I think that's where you see a guy like T. Will gonna thrive this year in that fourth option, Eli Brooks type of like usage. But um. I just think that Xavier Johnson, you know, being being able to return your one and your five from a tournament team, no no matter how you cut and slice it, um, is super important. And then you have someone like Ray Thompson as well, who I believe is very under underrated as a uh, as a four man. And then at the two and the three, um, they did lose shooting with Parker Stewart and Miller Cop. Um, but they got way more talented with Hood Shafino. And I, I think Tamar Bates takes a huge leap. And I also think um, Galloway also takes a huge leap. Um, you know, they're going to be they're going to be good. They're going to be good. I don't know how good. Um, I don't know if they have the culture yet to really compete for a Big Ten championship. Uh, but they have all the pieces there. One thousand percent. I just don't. The the big question is like, hey, you know, can 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 guys can guys make shots and create spacing for TJD is going to be the biggest thing. Um, I think TJD, what he was able to do in the in the postseason last year, I feel like we haven't seen that we haven't seen that in in his first couple years at Indiana, and I I think something just kind of connected. And he's like, wait, I can do this all the time. So I think I think he has a chance to possibly go to another level when it comes to how he could dominate games on both ends with his athleticism and, and how he can rim protect and how he can finish around the rim and just like and just and just and just you know go hard. Um, I think Mike Woodson in year two with this group is gonna be important as well because now you have a team who has like bought in to, to all this. Now that team is going to be more talented as well. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Long story short, uh, I I do buy the hype to an, ex- to an extent. Um, but the one thing that, that, that does worry me is who is, who is going to knock down shots outside of 20, 20 feet. And, um, and, and that's a legit concern for sure. Yeah, the answer might just be nobody. I do want to throw – Miller Cop's still there. But oh, will God. he start? Oh, Probably not. Oh, no, no, Cobb is still there. How is he still there? Yeah, Cobb, Cobb's back. Yep. As a as a grad assistant? <laughs> nah, he's playing. He's there. <laughs> Coach on the floor, baby. Is he there? All, all the white intangible bullshit he brings and missed shots. He's back. Okay. If if he's back, I buy it then. Yeah, he is back. I did not know that he was back. He is back. So, he he's probably yeah. off the bench though, but he's back. Yeah. That that is a that is a good team, bro. That's a good team. Their top eight is gonna be very very good. 
Yeah. Be very, very that's, good. That's sort of where I this, I think it's higher on him than dog. I am, but good to hear. That is, okay, stuff. so, all right, so that, that in my eyes, is is a top 20 team. And they should be in the four or five seed range, for sure. Do you guys remember the second year of the Archie Miller tenure? Where it, he, was, he was not coming off of the NCAA tournament bid, admittedly, but they were a bubble team at the end of his first year, kind of fell apart down the stretch, brought in an awesome freshman, Romeo Langford, was supposed to change the culture. That was supposed to be the year they broke through. They got off that really hot start, too. They, they did well. They beat the team they were supposed to beat non-conference. Had this kind of hype. I think we're ranked in the, in the top 10 uh, at some point, if I'm not mistaken, or at least top 15. Uh, and then they got into conference play, and all the wheels came off. They had that stretch. They lost like 12 to 13 to 13 to 14, something like that, and were just horrible and completely soured the Archie Miller tenure to the point he got fired the next year, and then maybe it was two years. And then and obviously now Mike, Mike Woodson came on. To me, this is following the same kind of pattern. And I know there are a little bit differences there, but Indiana had some success, uh, more success than expected perhaps under a first-year coach. Now going into year two, there's some recruiting momentum, and everything's going to be different now. Everything's going to be different. I I don't believe that. And I, I get your point about Cop being back and some of the guys making leaps, but you're counting on a lot of guys making leaps. Like I think you went through the roster and said about four or five guys that are going to take leaps. We don't know if they're going to take leaps because they haven't taken leaps in the past. And to me, if you're, if you're a team, not just in the end, but any team, and you're relying on multiple guys making leaps, it's not out of their own possibility for them to do so, obviously. But that's a lot of speculative um, things to be to be relying on. Again, it might happen, but to me, it's it's still just a little too much unknown for me to put them as a, as a, as a top ten, top fifteen team, especially considering we haven't seen that kind of development and those leaps from anybody at Indiana in, in in quite a long time. I got you, but like like that's that's kind of unfair because even like the only comparison that they play for the same school. Like they're like, it's not the same staff. Oh like, yeah. 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 I, I, same, you know? I mean, from a, a off season hype perspective, not in terms of the way things are actually going to progress, but to me, it, the feeling around the program and the way the fan base is looking at it feels the exact same. And I think that may lead into why they are ranked higher than I would put them in a national poll is because some of, the, uh, of that hype and promise and, and just excitement that's around the program. I think people and fans and even media members can sometimes take that hype and turn it into actual fact and production in terms of this is what they're going to get. This is who they're going to be. And I just bring that up as a, as a, a point to the counter that it's not actually the case. And I think what I've seen from this Indiana team is doesn't match the hype that they're getting. So I don't know if I, like, that's why I'm not buying into, into that hype. Indiana is the most fascinating team I think we've discussed because I think the furthest people on opposite ends of the spectrum on them, whether you're super high on them or super low on them, come to the same conclusion that it's like, oh, yeah, they should probably be ranked like between 15 and 20. And maybe the people that are lowest are like 20 to 25 fringe rank preseason. But like I think like the main point for you, Brian, I think is like there's no way this team should be top 10. And I think like Ann and I are pretty high on Indiana relative, and I don't think we're even close to saying they should be top 10 in the country. It's interesting. Yeah, like I, if you want to put them as one of the big 10 favorites, I, I'm willing to, to um, 
concede that considering just what I think of the other teams at the top of the Big Ten, at least currently. But I also would put them as a, as a more of a fringe top 25 team in that 2025 range at most than expecting them to be a, a top 10, top 15 team. Like, to me, we just haven't seen that yet or signs of them being that outside of that week and a half, two week stretch in March that, uh, again, not to belabor the point, is not indicative of what I think the baseline for this team is now. Yeah, and I, that makes sense. And I also think, you know, like two things. Uh, one, I think college basketball, I think that's what you have with guys who finally felt an NCAA tournament. Um, if I'm breaking up, let me know, please. Um, but you have. It was in and out, but I, you're good at the moment. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I just think I just think vets matter and they taste success for once and they're gonna have a shot to like build off that. Um and then lastly, there's there's been a ton, a ton of topside talent turnover in the Big Ten where Indiana didn't have that turnover. And I and I think that's also gonna give them a bump as well. Um, you know, you don't have Kofi you don't have and we lost you you went robot mode on us yeah we'll see if Ann can come back but in and out uh, and super out at the end there. Had a nice little monologue going, though, before that. Sorry. <laughs> um, all right. Let's just reset real quick because we are over the top of the hour. I want to give my team I'm selling, and then I'll give Ant the opportunity to if he can get his uh, his audio back. Um, this is the Multiplicity Morning Show. Shout out to Tristan, Brian, and Connor for rolling through. Riley Davis was in here as well. And we got Ant on the fly. Nice little room. Every Tuesday, we do college basketball. Uh, and then every Wednesday and Thursday, we also do a lunchtime room. I think we're doing NBA Thursday, and Carter and I will be in here doing sleeper stuff tomorrow. Uh, so I, I'm going to go to my team, another Big 12 team. I almost just piggybacked off Tristan earlier. Not Texas, though. I'm down on Kansas, and I, I see sort of an iceberg coming for Kansas, that I'm wondering why nobody else sees. Like, there's the Bill Self allegation stuff going on. There's some self-imposed sanction things going on. Bill Self reportedly hasn't been recruiting at all. Like, is they won the Natty, right? That's awesome. I think the dude's checked out. I think the dude's just like, I'm not hitting the road at all. I don't need to. I don't know what's coming. My career might be over soon. But, like, I think the dude is entirely checked out. I think this year's roster is somewhat indicative of that. I know they got a nice little freshman class coming in. I don't really see Rice or Grady Dick as guys who are going to be like potential first freshman year, all big 12 types. Um, And I think Kansas needs somebody to do that. Like we went through doing those countdowns by position and we did best backcourt duo and then best frontcourt duo. Kansas is the only team in the top 25 preseason that had nobody on either backcourt or frontcourt list to start when we like really were spitballing this. And then like, we felt so bad about that. We had to come back and be like, well, okay, I guess Jalen Wilson and somebody's good enough to make the frontcourt list. And 
I don't know. Jalen Wilson's fine. He's like a cerebral guy who's done some stuff, but I like, I, is Jalen Wilson as a first option on this team going to work? Does he need to be the first option? I don't really buy that. Kevin McCullough, same thing. Like those guys are better as like complimentary guys to me. I just don't know. Like I, I don't feel like the talent on this team is anywhere close to the Kansas teams that we've seen in the past. And I feel like there's some very uh, dramatic type impending Bill Self drama that could hang over this team from start to finish this season. So anybody want to jump in? What do you think of Kansas? Am I crazy for that? No, I, I think Kansas is literally going to depend on how good MJ Rice and Grady Dick are. Like they have to potentially be the leading scorers alongside Jalen Wilson. Like, is Bobby Pettiford going to be the guy that breaks out of the point guard situation? Like, Dwan Harris is a really good defender, but it works well having him on the court when you got a 20-point scorer in Ochai Baji and a 15-20-point scorer in Christian Brown. With those guys out, if you don't have the consistent scoring in the backcourt, then Harris becomes a big liability offensively. And, you know, Ernest Uday is a solid player, but I'm not, but he doesn't give you the offense that McCormick, even though as inconsistent as he was, he could still give you 15 to 20 in a game. You're not going to have that at the center position. And with, with McCuller, are they going to experiment having him run point or is they just going to put him at the wing and he's just going to average 10 points a game? If the experiment doesn't work, they could be in big trouble. I, I think Gray Dick will be a fine scorer. I think he'll be a, a really good shooter for them. Rice will be solid, but there's questions about where the offense is going to come from, from Kansas, because they don't really have that many scores. And I also don't think that Joseph Yesifu is a big 12 player. So I would be surprised if he's buried on the bench once again next year. Yeah. A team that just feels like they don't have a point guard or a center. And then a bunch of like question mark wings that could all be the third option on a decent team. But I don't know that they could be the first Connor. What do you think? Yeah, I I think for for Kansas, I could I have them I think finishing second in the Big 12 right now. Um the lowest they finished under Bill Self was what that third place finish um a few years back. I easily though, they're of the top 4 team, top 3 I guess especially um that I have in the Big 12. They're the one I trust the least. Um and I could I see a very clear path to them finishing fourth in the big 12, which would be, you know, a monumentally bad finish compared to what uh, Kansas has done under Bill Self. So I'm not necessarily out on them as much as you are, Greg, but I definitely could see that path uh, being there for them being fourth in that conference. I think if you threw a different logo and a different name on this roster, they're not in the preseason top 25 for anybody straight up. Like if you if you put Iowa Hawkeyes on this roster, no one's even talking about them, in my opinion. Brian, what do you think? I don't know where the shot creation is going to come from. Like you can talk about Remy Martin all you want and positives and negatives. I harped on it a lot last year, as Connor knows. But he was the only guy last year who could go get his own shot off the bounce. And you don't have that now, I don't think, from anybody. And you don't have somebody of Ochai Abaji's kind of just top-end scoring output either. So the offense concerns me. Defense will always be fine with, with the Bill Self-Coach team. He has a certain standard there, and Kansas has a certain standard there where I think they'll be fine. But I think the offense will be just fine 
as well. And when you, you talk about Kansas, you talk about them being, you know, competing for Big 12 titles at the top. I think they're a top 15, top 20 team, no problem. Uh, I think we'll, we'll see them in the top 10 even at some points during the year. But I think there's an offensive ceiling that's going to keep them from competing at the level we think they will be at. And I hope your audio issues are back. If you want to chime in on Kansas or jump to a team that you're selling, either way works. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, okay? we got you now. I just wanted to just reiterate my last part about Indiana. Um, sorry, but um, it was that that veterans win, in my opinion, and the fact that the Big Ten itself has gone through a lot of turnover with top end talent. Um, and if you look at the pro prospects now uh, compared to last season is like night and day. Um, so I think that the talent turnover around the conference, even though the teams I think will still be solid, uh, there are no real like takeover guys left in the league um, uh, from a standpoint of like jumping to the NBA. So um, that's also why I'm looking up at Indiana. Um, the thing with Kansas, how do y'all feel about KJ Adams? How do you feel about him? I'm a big K.J. Adams guy, but I don't know if he's going to be the offensive guy Kansas needs him to be or needs somebody to be this year, but I really, really like his upside. Yeah, I, I would, think he's someone who needs to take a leap. I'm sorry, Tristan. Well, I, I would say I would have been good on him had Jalen Wilson not returned, but I'm not sure where we get the minutes unless you think that there's a potential that Wilson plays the five if Uday's not ready and just go small ball and have Adams at the four. Is it Mitch Mitch Lightfoot still the still there? Oh, uh, I just assume the answer is yes to that, but I have no idea. Yeah, they so, do have they do have the D two transfer that redshirted Cam Martin, but I have no idea what he's going to do for them. Cam Martin, he's a dude with he was like tatted up, right? Is that the tatted up dude? Yeah, I don't know. Yes, like yes. you know, this kind of goes back to like the culture wins type of deal um and then it's greg one to ten how shocked would you be bill self steps down between now and october honestly not shocked at all like i (laughs) i'm sort of anticipating that coming in the next 12 months maybe before the season at this rate would be a little crazy but like i i think there's big shit that's going to happen here. And he got his title. Like there's, there's no hunger for anything anymore. He cemented his career with the title. He was still looking for. He already had one, but like he, he got another, what the fuck does he need to prove now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Josh, so with like Bill self, he's got a bunch of FBI probes and he's got a whole bunch of like sanctions possibly coming down on them in Kansas. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, like he doesn't need this. Like he's he's worth what eight nine figures, and you know he just won a national title, you know, and he's won what like a million Big Ten championships. At this point now, it's just like okay, we're good. Yeah, and like I mean, comparing Bill Self to some of the other guys that have stepped down recently, maybe not the fairest thing just stylistically and how they build their programs. But like we're seeing coaches drop that don't want to play in this era. And 
you know, I, like Bill Self's recruiting has sort of changed over the last five, six years anyway. And like, like I said, he got his win. He reached the top of the mountaintop again. I think it's going to take a lot for him to get back up and build a roster that's capable of winning a national title. Would not surprise me at all if there's shit behind the scenes that he's just like, this ain't worth it. I'm done. I think we're going to see a lot of coaches pull that move. And Bill would be the very top of my list for that. Um, all right. We're 15 minutes over now. But if you want to give a team you're selling, feel free. I know we didn't tell you about this exercise before you jumped in. But anybody you're lower on compared to national consensus? Um. North Carolina. And I'm not going to say I still think that like I was to put them in that in top 10 preseason um, based off how they finished off, but they finished off that way because Hubert Davis was like, I'm only going to play five or six guys and that's it. So you can't do that throughout the entire season. So I'm interested to see how, how he's able to learn from last year to be able to get a little bit, how do you get get more from his guys and get more from his rotation without losing to teams like Pitt, for example? Um, so you know, so so he's gonna have to figure that part out, and I'm not sure because like he had like the perfect, like he had the perfect five, right? Two explosive guards, a, a defensive juggernaut in a wing, the perfect college four man the perfect one and then you had a big man who knew his role as just get as many rebounds as possible don't float on the perimeter and like and and just be a beast within five feet on both ends be a good screener and work hard with the high motor the absolutely like the like that five was just in college basketball was the best was it's like, okay, what do I need at each spot? Look at North Carolina's starting five. Um, so I'm not so I'm not saying that they they come off as bit as like a you know like UCLA-ish, where we're getting kind of clouded with their with their uh, run at the very, very end. Uh, I don't think they're as good as people let on. Um, but I still would have them in the top ten, but I won't be shocked if if you know they, they end up in like a four to six seed. Well, yeah, like in that like four, five, six seed range rather than like a top two. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. I definitely agreed before they got Pete Nance, but I'm so damn high on Pete Nance. It's hard to shit on this team. I do think like I hate the comparison to UCLA because I just think it's kind of lazy. Last year's UCLA. Um, I, I think North Carolina has more talent than that UCLA team did by a long shot. But, like, I could I see them being a four seed easier than I see them being a one seed come next March? 100%. Brian, do you have thoughts? We, you kind of made the Indiana comp earlier. Yeah, I, I think UNC will be deeper than they were a year ago. I also think that um, the UCLA comp is interesting because UCLA was still pretty good last year. Like they met UNC in the Sweet 16, and that game went down to basically a, a Caleb Love three in the final minute. UCLA wins that game, and that goes the other way. That UCLA team was a back-to-back Final Four team. But they were a four, they were a four seed though, right? They, they were they were a four seed, but that's a back-to-back Final Final Four team. I also think that the UCLA team from the year before 
they were just that run in March, right? There were some questions as to whether they even get in the tournament, made the first four, won those five games, made the final four. UNC, if you go back to mid-January, about the point Dawson Garcia left and they kind of cleared up their, their roster, they were a top 10, top 15 team in the country, uh, according to all, all the metrics. Uh, Torvik's particularly good at, at sorting those out. They were a top 10, top 15 team for the final three months of the season. So uh, it, what, they had some really bad games in that stretch. Everyone will point to – sorry, Tristan – will point to that home loss against Pitt as being a really, really poor performance. And that's all true. But the level of, of play, once they settled on the rotation, I think two and Hubert Davis settled into being the head coach. Uh, there, I, I think, was a little bit of substitute teacher mentality with him and the team the first couple months of the season. It took him a while to get his feet underneath him. And once that happened and and they got their, their roster and rotation set, we saw them take off and level of play really increase. So I, I have more confidence in that level of play being who they are than I did UCLA last year. But even UCLA last year was a, was a solid team, dealt injuries all year, but, but still was a solid team. I, I think UNC ends up with a one seed. I think they're the clear-cut number one team in the country. I, I think they'll stay at least top five for a good, good majority of the season. You have them better than Gonzaga? I do. And I think, I absolutely and I think Houston beats both. Houston, I, Houston I'm willing to entertain. On a neutral. Uh, I think Houston You put them Houston on a neutral. Be awesome. uh, I just think Houston is just too much mentality-wise and physically and just talent. Um, but I, I also like Gonzaga. I don't know what Mark V was going to do with that rotation, though, because um, the, the last few years he's, he's had a really tight – really tight, like six, seven-man rotation. He hasn't really played nine, nine, ten guys since when. It's been a while, right? Um, what's Mark Few going to do with that Gonzaga team where he can – he has a legit eight, nine guys who would start at 95% of Division One schools or more. I mean, that is a really, really talented group, and – and just because you have depth, it doesn't mean that that's a good thing. Like some depth is a good thing when bad things happen, but depth is not a great thing when like you're trying to find minutes for, for, for guys to go out there and you're like trying to get one or two extra minutes for a couple guys and every one or two extra minutes for one guy that eats into someone else's playing time. So um, I know I, I think Connor's a Gonzaga guy, but um, I don't know what's going to even happen there. Sorry, I just like flip this around. I just my my brain just like tracked over to the Zags, but my fault. No, you're good. Um, Tristan Connor, thoughts on Tar Heels? Uh, I'll address both both comments. Um, I, I I am a little bit weary of making UCLA comparisons just because. Uh, UCLA at the end of at the end of their season heading into the tournament were not playing really good basketball, and in the tournament they played still a very inefficient style of basketball, but just couldn't miss from the mid range. and And I like the style that UNC plays a little bit better. I like the players when they're sticking to their roles a little bit better. Um, but I agree. I have Houston one. Um, as well, and uh, heading into the season, I, I, I just their backcourt 
um, is the best in the country, in my opinion, and, and good guard play wins in March. Um, as for Gonzaga, it's going to be interesting what happens this year. I, I agree with you. One thing that I'm concerned about is how the rotation works itself out. Um, I think the past really half decade, um, he, Mark Fuse played shorter rotations because Gonzaga has been in that interim period between getting a lot of hungry international players and, and kind of four, three, three, four star guys um, with a couple of five stars sprinkled in here and there to now recruiting a bunch of players that could start almost anywhere in the country. Um, and this is really the first season where he's had not only depth of talent, but also depth of experience. And so it'll be interesting to see how that rotation works out because you could easily see Strother playing either the three or the four. Um, you could see a three guard lineup, a two guard lineup. So it'll be interesting to see what, how he works itself out. But this is the first time where I've looked at the Gonzaga roster and really seen nine deep of both talent and experience. Uh, quick Gonzaga anecdote, by the way, back when we did our backcourt duos list for Field of 68 two weeks ago now, uh, we had – who did we have for Gonzaga's backcourt? It was um, – I was think not- you you had the right to. You had you had uh, Rajir and um, uh, Nolan Hickman, yes. which I think they're guaranteed to start. I think Strother's guaranteed to start, and I think Timmy's guaranteed to start. The question is, do you – play three guards and start like a, a Malachi Smith or a Hunter or someone like that? Or do you play three, three forwards, play Strother at the three and uh, give um, Anton Watson his due and play him at the four? I'm leaning more towards that than the than three guard lineup to at least for starting lineups. But um, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, in our discussion of that, Nolan Hickman was the constant, and then we debated individually both Salas and Malachi Smith over uh, Rasier, and ultimately settled on, like, we know Bolton's going to start, we know that uh, Hickman's going to start, we have to do those two. And it wasn't going to change where we put them. Like, if we took all four of those players into consideration instead of just the best duo, Gonzaga might be the best backcourt in the country. But, long story short, Malachi Smith, uh, like we we put the shit out on like Instagram and Twitter and all that, and I think we had Gonzaga like fifth or sixth on the list, maybe maybe it was sixth. Um, and Malachi Smith responded to our thing with like a sleep emoji, but like referring to him not being included on the list, like he said, "I'll show you." And I was like, dude, like we're we're kind of complimenting your own guys here. Like, are you dissing your own guys by saying you should have been on the list over Brasier? Like. It was interesting. The the player responses to a lot of this is fascinating. I love it. I love it. Malachi Smith is not going to Gonzaga to sit. Who is who is going to be out on minutes? Who's who's out on minutes? Who's out on minutes? Is it is it uh, after? I think it's. I think it's Watson. I think it's. I think it's. Well, I think Watson's gonna get his not minutes cut, but I think Watson's not gonna get as many minutes as as he would like. I think the one who's out on minutes, I mean, Efton Reed is probably a two-year guy in the system anyway. I think the the one guy who's out on minutes is Dom Harris. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with him coming back from his foot injury. Um, I think that Hunter Salas is a, is a better fit, at least in the rotation defensively, than Dom Harris is. Um, and Harris, while he showed promise on a three-point shot, uh, it was inconsistent. 
And one thing that Mark Few's shown over the last couple of years um, is that once he lose, loses uh, confidence in you, um, you're out of the rotation. Um, we saw it with Brian Alberts. We've seen it with a couple of other guys. So I, I'm not sure Dom Harris is going to have as big a role as he or his dad would would want him to have. I think I think for Gonzaga, it'll be interesting to see how much Nolan Hickman improves because I think his game will be the catalyst for what happens in the backcourt because they, even with Malachi Smith, they don't necessarily need more scoring with Strother and Timmy and Bolton back. So if, if Salas, who I think is the best individual defender on that team, if they need his defense, I could absolutely see him starting and getting minutes and having Malachi Smith be the sixth man of sorts. But if Hickman, he doesn't have that breakout and he and he doesn't become that true point guard that they need that on a t- title winning team, I wouldn't be surprised if Malachi Smith fills in and sort of be that point guard and Hickman goes to the bench. But I, but I think of all the guards, Salas, who I personally think is the best draft prospect of the group, if his shot can get going because he already has the defense and athleticism to go with it, I think Hickman's spot isn't a hundred percent guaranteed. I know I know Ant's high on him and, and and no Gonzaga point guard ever fails under Mark Few, but I, I think Hickman's spot is not a hundred percent set in stone. I think Salas is more safer when it comes to potential minutes next year than, than Hickman if he can't get it going early on and they go with the veteran Smith to run the offense. I love how we uh, we did an hour and fifty minutes on teams we hate and ended up topping this off with Gonzaga. Like only this room, I absolutely love it. That's why we bring the best of the best in. You get the best of both worlds. Uh, anybody got any final words before we wrap the room? Gee, does Pitt finish in the top twelve of the ACC? Are there? There's more than twelve teams in the ACC, right? I yes. swear to God. Then no, they don't. No, well, no, we can do this right now. And do, do you want to make this bet? Because I'm, I'm telling you, Pitt finishes 12th or better. We can absolutely make, make that bet. for people with this type of energy. You need to relax first. Because first of all, you're disrespectful. That's you're breathing extremely bad. hard over there, Tristan. You need to relax. I, I, you, first of all, you hyped up Xavier Johnson and that mid-ass Indiana roster, and now you're coming for Pitt. This 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 is getting to be a little disrespectful on Tuesday for I me, just so. hope Dior is there through Christmas for you. I just hope Xavier Johnson doesn't get arrested and suspended half the season. How about that? Kristen, why are you slandering the third best player Pitts had in fifteen years? <laughs> I'm not commenting on that. <laughs> oh boy, that's a good note to end the room on. Shout out to all y'all. Thank you for rolling through. Uh, every Tuesday, College Basketball Room here on Spotify Live. Uh, Appreciate y'all. Have a great day and a good rest of your week.